Let's read together from the Word of God. We're turning to the second letter of Timothy, and we're reading together chapter 3. It's the last letter that Paul wrote, as far as we're aware, writing it from prison, uh, very near the end of his life, knowing that when he left the prison cell, he would be going out to execution. And yet, uh, as you see uh, in this letter's whole concerns for others, for the church, no sense of self-pity or what he was suffering for the gospel's sake, uh, but always focusing on uh, the benefit of others. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who, are, who, as far as the truth is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, last Lord's Day in our meditations on God's Word, uh, we began a new series of studies taking a a spiritual checkup for our own uh, hearts and lives in the light of God's Word. We need to be careful that we're not uh, influenced by the attitudes and the values of the culture around us. We can fall into thinking the way the world thinks. Among Christians, for example, uh, you find many uh, who, who reckon that the busier they are, then the more spiritual they must be and the healthier they are as Christians. Activity and activity and activity. Busyness equals spirituality. 
And yet that's not the case, because a lot of activity sometimes can be a substitute for walking with the Lord. Even church activities can become a substitute for time with the Lord and growing in grace. And so we need to see what are the Bible's priorities? What are God's priorities for us? What does a healthy Christian life look like? And we are, so to speak, sitting in front of the great physician who's searching our hearts by his word, applied by his Holy Spirit. Well, now today we come to our second question as we continue our spiritual checkup. And our question today is, do you feed on Scripture? Do you feed on Scripture? And here again is a fundamental of the Christian life. And again, if your answer to it is no, then your spiritual condition is serious. Do you feed on Scripture? And two things really just about this that we want to give our attention to. And the first is, why should you feed on Scripture? Why should you feed on Scripture? So there's a why, and then we'll go on to think of the how in our second point. First of all, why should you feed on Scripture? Now, our first question addressed the issue of the presence of new life in your heart. Can it be said of you, as it was said of the prodigal uh, son in Jesus' parable in Luke 15, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Is that true of you? Were you dead in sin and now you're alive in Christ? But as we said, that's just the beginning. That's the first stage in Christian living. But of course, when a child is born, and it may not be growing, parents, medics will be anxious. Why is this child not growing? Why is it not thriving? It needs attention. And spiritually speaking, if we are born again, If new life has started, then there should be growth. There should be progress and development. And that's true all through life. And if you say, yes, I'm born again, there's new life in my heart, and you're not growing, you're not making progress, then you should be anxious. As a pastor, I would be anxious for you. We expect to see growth. And in order to grow, of course, what you need is the right food. You need a healthy diet. There's so much emphasis, isn't there, on healthy eating and the things you should eat and the things you shouldn't eat and so on. And people can be very concerned about their bodies and eating the right things. But as Christians, we need to be concerned also about the health of our souls. And we need to be eating the right things. We need good food. And our loving God has provided for us exactly the kind of food that we require. He's provided it in Scripture. Here in the pages of this book, we have food from God. Psalm 111 
and verse 5, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Now, that is true of physical food for the body. But how much more is it the case that he provides food for our souls to build us up in godliness? But we're asking, well, why should we feed on Scripture? You know, there's so much we could be reading. All kinds of books, Christian and others. All kinds of things we could be listening to today. There are podcasts without number from this ministry and that ministry and from all over the place. Why should we be feeding on Scripture specifically? Not denying the value of some of these other sources of food, but they can take the place of what we should be feeding on primarily, on the Bible, on God's Word. And there are two crucial reasons why we should be feeding on Scripture. And the first is Scripture is God-breathed. Scripture is God-breathed. We are to feed on Scripture first and foremost because of the kind of book the Bible is. There are many good books out there. There are a lot of very bad books out there. But even the best cannot be set beside this book because it is unique. In Scripture, we are handling a book that is without parallel, that stands apart from every other writing and every other source of food. And the nature of it, we have there in that passage we read in 2 Timothy 3. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. That's a very literal translation of the word that Paul uses there. 2 Timothy 3.16, God-breathed. It's possible that Paul may even have invented that word in order to communicate exactly the nature of the Bible. It is God-breathed. Very striking word that's used. The entire library of 66 books that we have between these covers has its origin in God. Oh yes, Books were written by Moses and David and Paul and so on. But the primary author is God himself. And so if we could hear God's voice today as we sit here, if the Lord were to appear in this service and speak to us, those words would not have any more authority than the words that are written here in the Bible. That's something we need really to to get to grips with and understand. The Apostle Peter, you'll remember, was up on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. He's one of the three that were there. And he heard the voice of God. Peter was one who heard God's voice up on the top of that mountain. This is my beloved son. 
And yet Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 and verse 19, We have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it. That's amazing. He's saying that the written word has even greater reliability than if you could hear with your ears the very voice of God, because God speaks here. As far as the the written word is concerned, God gave it to us. Again, a couple of verses later in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, he writes, Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's very vivid. Yes, they wrote, they thought, looked at his research and so forth, but the Holy Spirit carried them along to write exactly what God wanted to be written. And so we must attend to Scripture. We must feed on it as the Word of God. That's what it is. And what Scripture says God says. Never forget that. What Scripture says, God says. So, why should we feed on Scripture? First of all, Scripture is God breathed. That's fundamental. But then the second reason is Scripture is transforming. Scripture is transforming. And it's transforming really in in two ways. It's transforming, first of all, in conversion at the beginning of the Christian life. Those who were dead in sins, we know, we've talked about it often. Those who are dead in sins need to be made alive by the Holy Spirit. Only the power of God can bring about the new birth. Nothing less will do. That's what we require. And very often the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God in vital ways to bring us to new birth. The Spirit takes the Word and He applies it to us in a powerful, in a saving way. 1 Peter 1, verse 23, You have been born again of imperishable seed through the living and enduring Word of God. Again and again, the Holy Spirit uses Scripture in the process of bringing us to new birth. And you perhaps can think of your own conversion, if you can remember a specific time when you came to faith. Maybe you heard a sermon, and suddenly it came home to you with power. Or you're reading the Bible, and a passage, and maybe you knew it well, suddenly came alive to you. And it brought you to salvation. Or a friend witnessed to you, talked about the gospel, talked about Christ. But again and again, the Holy Spirit uses God's word to bring sinners like us to salvation. So scripture's transforming in conversion. And maybe you can say, yes, that was true for me. That's how God worked in my life. The Holy, uh, the Scripture is also transforming in sanctification, not just in conversion at the beginning of your Christian life, 
but in sanctification as you grow and develop and walk with the Lord. Again, Scripture is a vital part of our progressing in the Christian life. God's Word, the Bible, shapes us in our Christian living and our Christian service. Here is the book the Lord has given us. And gradually we are being changed, we're being transformed as the Holy Spirit brings the Word home to our hearts as you study your Bible, as you listen to preaching, as you maybe read other Christian books that expound God's Word. It's the Word applied by the Lord that changes us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being changed into the same image, the image of Jesus. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And he applies the word. He opens it up as you read and study and pray and think. And you become more and more like the Lord Jesus. As you spend time in God's word and the Spirit applies it to you, gradually you hate sin more. And perhaps sins you didn't notice in your life before, the Lord puts his finger on them and brings you to repent of them. Because of something you read in the Bible. And he stirs in you a greater desire for holiness. You want to be more like the Lord Jesus that you're reading about. You want to grow in grace. And it's God's word that shapes how you think and how you live. And that's why Bible study is so important. It's not secondary. This is taking in food. And if you don't, you won't grow. And sometimes Christians are disappointed or surprised that they're not making much progress in the Christian life. Their old sins come back to trouble them. And often one of the answers is simply they're not spending time in studying God's Word and thinking about it. And of course they'll not grow. And they couldn't be healthy. God's Word is given to change us. It's not there for some sort of abstract academic study. There's a place for that. You'd expect me to say that, teaching in a theological college. But if it's not applied and it's not lived out, it's a waste of time. It might feed your pride and you think, oh, how much I know about the Bible. But if you're not living it out, forget it. It's doing you no good. And you see so often in Scripture itself telling us the Word is to change us. Think of Psalm 19. And there, verses 7 and 8, you can look them up for yourself. But the words that are used about the Bible, reviving, making wise, giving joy, giving light, it's all about changing people. And when you come to the Word, you're to come expecting to be changed, not for an abstract study, to just build up a lot of facts and a lot of information, but to be changed. It's interesting, in James 1, 23, James describes God's Word as a mirror. What does he mean by that? Well, it means when you read God's Word, one of the things it does is show you what you're like. It may show you your sins and your failings and where you need to be doing better. It'll be showing you what you could be as a Christian. 
It's a mirror. We see ourselves as we are. And by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit's work, then we will be growing, we'll be progressing, we'll look more like Christ. We're to feel the power of God's word. One of the the, the vows that's put to men being ordained to the ministry in this denomination, it, it has to do with the word of God and feeling its power in our own hearts. We're asked that at visitation. Do you preach the word from an experience of it in your own heart? If you don't have that, you're really not feeding on God's word. But that's true for every Christian. Do you feel the power of God's word in your heart and life? Does it touch you? Does it challenge you? Does it sometimes disturb you? It should. Does it encourage you? Does it give you joy? The word is transforming in conversion and also in sanctification. This is our daily food. Not just for a snack now and again. Not for a big meal on the Lord's day and nothing for the next six days. So why should you feed on Scripture? Because it's God-breathed and because it's transforming. That's the why. But then, secondly, we want to think about the how. How should you feed on Scripture? Suppose you do want to study your Bible, you want to read it faithfully, you want to profit from it, and you want to grow as a Christian, through the study of God's word, how should you feed on Scripture? I want to think about some of the attitudes that we need. We're not getting into a how to study the Bible. There's a place for that in different ways you can uh, approach Scripture. But simply, what sort of attitude should you have when you come to study God's word? How should you feed in Scripture? Well, first of all, with prayer. And that's basic, with prayer. Above all, that is essential. If Scripture is God-breathed, if it is God's Word to us, you would expect there are going to be many things in the Bible that you find difficult to understand. Parts of it are not easy. It will be in places beyond our capacities. Some encouragement maybe from Peter's words in 2 Peter 3.16 when he refers to Paul's letters and he says some things in them are hard to understand. And you can probably say amen to that. If Peter found some things in Paul's letters hard to understand, well, don't be surprised if you find some of them hard to understand. And so we need to be praying for the help of the Lord. Prayers acknowledging that we need illumination from the Holy Spirit. The things that come from the Spirit of God, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14, are spiritually discerned. They're not just a matter of your natural human capacities. You need the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Prayer really is a heart cry for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Lord, I need your help to understand this book. And we should always come with that outlook. 
when we approach Scripture, it should always be in the spirit of Psalm 119 and verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things in your law. Scripture Union, don't know if they still do, but they used to recommend that as a prayer before you read God's word. Open my eyes that I may, un- that I may see wonderful things in your law. So how should you feed on scripture with prayer? Always start with prayer and end with prayer. Secondly, with humility. Humility. That, that's linked to prayer. A, a proud person won't really be praying. But when you pray and you ask for the Lord's help, you're acknowledging that you need help, that your own understanding is very limited. And so you're depending on God to give you understanding, give you a heart for obedience. In other words, you come to the Bible as a humble learner. You don't come to it as an expert You don't come to it as a master of Scripture. That's true for all of us. No matter how much training you have, you always come to Scripture as a humble learner. If any preacher loses sight of that, he's in trouble. You come to Scripture as a humble learner. You're not calling the Bible to give account of itself to you. You're not calling God to stand at the bar of your reason and explain himself as if you're the judge and he is answerable to you. God will never be treated like that. I've had people remember one man in particular saying, I'll not believe anything I don't understand. Really? There are a lot of things we all believe in life that we don't understand. God willing, I'll get into the car and drive home after the service. And I don't understand a fraction of what goes on under the bonnet. But I trust it to work. There's much in Scripture that will challenge us. At times it will go beyond what we understand now. But we can submit in faith to the Lord who gave us that word. It's the attitude of Samuel. Remember Samuel Back in his early days as a youngster when he was living in the sanctuary with Eli and God called him. First Samuel didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. He thought it was Eli calling him. And then Eli understood God is speaking Samuel. And Samuel's response, 1 Samuel 3.10, speak for your servant is listening. And we always need to be able to say that when we study God's word. Speak, for your servant is listening. It'll mean accepting sometimes hard things, things we would prefer not to be told, along with things we love to hear. But for all of them we're saying, speak, for your servant is listening. How do you feed in scripture? With prayer, with humility, With eagerness, thirdly, with eagerness. It's a mark of grace in your heart when you delight in the Word of God. If you're going to do your Bible reading, or you're coming to worship, do you feel a real sense of anticipation as to what God may teach you 
from his word. You think, oh, here we go again. I have to read this because, well, it's the right thing to do, but I'm not all that fussed about it. I'm not that enthused about it. I could take it or leave it. That's not a good sign. God's people are to come to the feast he's providing with eagerness, anticipation. You think of how many times in the Psalms you can hear that. Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Can you say that? We love God's word. We delight to study it, to think about it, to turn it over in our minds. It's not a chore. It's not a sort of half-hearted engagement. Certainly not indifferent or resenting God's word. We come with eagerness. You see, our attitude to God's word really is an indication of our attitude to God. And we should remember that. What you think about God's word is most likely what you think actually in your heart of hearts about God. And if you find the Bible is a chore and a burden and you're not really enthused about it, the truth is that's probably how you think about God. And if you avoid his word, maybe that's saying you want to avoid his presence. You're like Adam trying to stand behind a tree in Eden to avoid God. We're to come with eagerness. Remember Jesus' words to the disciples, to us, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Love for the Lord will be seen in keeping the commandments. Indifference to God's word suggests a lack of love for the Lord. So we're to feed in Scripture with prayer, with humility, with eagerness, and finally, with obedience. We're back to the point where we ended last week. Exhortation and scripture, you have it in James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's perfectly possible to read the Bible and to study it and know the original languages and get into all the background and the history and all of that. And yet never to put the word into practice. University theology faculties have a lot of people in them. They're experts in all kinds of areas related to the Bible and may know the Bible far better than you do and I do. But it doesn't touch their lives. It doesn't touch their hearts. They're not saved and they're not seeking to obey the word. It's just an academic study. We must come to God's word praying that he will help us to obey. To be just a hearer, James says, is to deceive yourself. It's dangerously easy to substitute just listening to the word or even reading it for actually receiving it and acting on it. You sit and listen to a sermon and go out the door and not remember a word of it. Not even remember really what the passage was that you're thinking about or the subject of the sermon. And you can read your Bible day by day, 
and close your Bible. And if somebody said, what was that about? Do you think, oh. and it won't come because it never got into your heart and it will not be translated into how you live. It's a big challenge. But the wonderful thing is, of course, God has promised grace to help. That as our understanding of the Bible grows, he enables us also to grow in our obedience. And the more we love the Lord, the more we will obey. This is love for God, we read in 1 John 5, 3, to obey his commands. You put the word into practice. Not just do you read it. I trust you do. But you obey the word as God applies it to you by his spirit. That's our second check-up question. Do you feed on scripture? Why should you feed on scripture? Because it's God-breathed and it's transforming. How should you feed on scripture? With prayer, with humility, with eagerness, with obedience. May we be those who feed joyfully, willingly on Scripture. And we're being shaped into the likeness of the Lord Jesus.